It's on. Wow. Back again with another crispy cold opening here. And ladies and gentlemen, we broke out the comfy chair once again for the podcast in the new office. We've recorded a few in here, but guys, this is the Culvert Show. This is episode number 46, and we're hopping straight into it. And guys, we are super, super, super excited. We said it last week. We said it on the last episode. The hype train is finally approached. JC back again, two in a row. What's going on, man? Well, you know, it's two in a row for the first time in like three months, so we're really doing some good things. <laughs> I just want to know what you're drinking, what you cracked open a cold one. I cracked open a nice ice-cold bush latte. I got a pack of tall oh, boys when I got yeah. when I got off work. I was like, I got to change the taillight. Like, I got to do just some work in the garage. I was like, you know what? You might as well. And we got a podcast, and we love our bush lattes here. And actually, fun fact, so my buddy from Vegas, we've had him on the pod before, good old Kenny Wexler. And we were talking about it last week because I went and watched the Thursday night football, the Patriots and the Bills at a Buffalo Wild Wings. And I was like, you know, I think I might have a Bush Latte. And he goes, oh, the good old Bush Latte Mountain Dew. And I was like, joke's on you, bud. It's actually worth the shot. And he goes, no freaking way. And I was like, dude, if me and my podcast host like it, and if my girlfriend who does not like beer said it was okay – then it's worth giving I think it a that's shot. Probably the more impressive one than <laughs> yeah. either of us liking. Because I will tell you, I can mix pretty much anything, and it's, yeah, you know, it's same. Fine. But for her to be like, "Hey, that's passable," as somebody that doesn't normally do that, that's more impressive to me. No, oh, yeah. Well, and especially like throwing it back to the days of where I was the 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 first trial of drinking, and I was mixing Fireball <laughs> with Mountain Dew and thinking that it was just Fireball. <laughs> Giving Pitbull. Shout out, Mr. 305, Mr. Worldwide. Anyway, oh I couldn't resist. Dude. That's, here's a, I've got to interject the story. Hopefully you don't it. forget about your fireball. And, <laughs> I won't. It was uh, not Here's the thing about fireball. I don't normally, I'm not normally a huge whiskey guy, cinnamon yep. whiskey guy. But I tell you what, when that song's playing, I don't know, there's just some magic about the song that makes you want to just, take a shot of fireball every time they say fireball in uh that uh 305 song fireball it's which if you're counting i'm pretty sure it's four times in pitbull's fireball where they go no 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 fireball i think i think it's four times well and let's see here we got can you get an actual i'm a i'm a fireball fireball okay there's one Mama, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. Fireball, there's two. Three. Four, five. Actually, apparently, according to this, there's five. Because after they get done bringing it back, there's fireball. And then there's a second one. So apparently, you could take five shots of fireball during the song Fireball, which would get me absolutely destroyed, by the way. But. (laughs) I think it'd be fun. It'd be fun in the moment. Oh, it would be <laughs> so fun in the moment. Your stomach would hate you because you'd be sitting there. I think on your last one, and like every, I, I will say this: like I'm a big whiskey drinker, and I love whiskey. And I will take a shot of it straight, or I'll like that first even pull that you take of like if you just pour like a nice sipper even too, and like I know sippers aren't supposed to burn or whatever, or like just any time that you take a shot, I would say. Um. 
and it just like kind of sits sits for a second and you get that kind of like this is going to be weird for everybody but you get that kind of like your mouth starts to kind of like salivate and it just like gets really heavy and you're like you've already swallowed the shot and like your mouth just kind of gets heavy and you're like oh no what the hell like I feel like that on your fist shot a fireball like at the very very end I feel like you'd just be you'd be sitting there I'm like this is way too fast to take this many shots of fire you better do it in the room Oh, that's yeah. like 45 degrees because if you're doing it in a room that's 70 degrees, at least for me, dude, I'm not going to be oh. doing so <laughs> You would be a fireball at that point. Holy oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, I'm not really whiskey. I'm more rum. So, you know. Oh, dude, what's your what's your rum of choice? <laughs> I, feel like, mm, I, like that, I feel like the House of the Dragon <laughs> clip. What's your rum of choice? <laughs> well... There's two. Malibu is the company, but Malibu pineapple with pineapple Mountain Dew. All right. Fantastic. And strawberry Malibu with, you guessed it, Mountain Dew. Spark Mountain Dew. Uh, the raspberry flavor for those that are uncultured and don't know what Mountain Dew flavors there are. All right. So, yeah, mixing it with Mountain Dew or, you know, any substitute soda, like off brand. Uh, like, off-brand pineapple or off-brand raspberry would be fine, but I prefer Mountain Dew. Interesting. So there you go. Wow, we are just on a roll with these <laughs> I know. fireball takes. So see what I did there? Are you? Yeah, I did. So okay, let me ask. <laughs> let me ask you a question then. So as because I I do enjoy rum as well. Are you? Mm. I take it you're more of like a light kind of coconut rum guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would say if you are on the hunt for trying a dark rum for a spiced, I would say if you haven't tried Kraken before, Kraken is a very good rum. Kraken, all right. So there you go. You heard it here first. Kraken rum, indeed. For yeah. a dark rum, Kraken are open, man. But so my dad ended up getting so like with my family, we do like a white elephant kind of Christmas to where like the men get a men's get like a gift for. Every guy, it's like 20 bucks or so. 25, I think, is like the top spending limit, maybe 30. But um, you put the gift out, and you, you say, like, men's gift number seven, and then you draw a number out of a bowl. The women do the same thing on the side of the family, and then you go around, and everybody gets a gift. Well, my dad ended up getting my gift one year, and it was a bottle of crack and rum. And, of course, we were of legal age and everything. But he got my rum, and so we ended up trying it. And, I mean, dude, you could drink like this. You could drink straight. Like, it was... Wow. It, it was freaking phenomenal. And so the night that we got back from Christmas, like, um, or like I should say the weekend where we actually went, like, went down for Christmas, we made each other drinks. And I mean, dude, it was just, you couldn't, it was dangerous. Like I couldn't taste it. Like it was bad. <laughs> so. Sounds terrific. Oh, dude, it is. So now it, that you've forgotten your Mountain Dew story from earlier, let's see if you can throw it back and remember what you were gonna say. <laughs> I I can't remember what it was gonna say. So like back when I was wow. ex- back when I was starting, like I hadn't really had a lot of of I would say like no hadn't really had any of the hard hard stuff. Like I hadn't had any Jack or J or like Jameson or Jim Beam or anything like that. And I was like I was in college. I was like okay, I'm poor. Like what can I get? And Fireball was there, and all of a sudden I was just like, okay, what do I want to mix it with? I never really drank a lot or, like, haven't really drank before. And I was like, all right, you know what? What's what's the other thing that we got? And, like, I was like, Mountain Dew would probably be a good 
start. So I mixed Fireball and Mountain Dew, and according to myself, I was like, I was a genius for discovering this. So I drank that for a couple of weekends, and that just the I was I was doing fine because I was still on my like I'm immortal phase. But I mean, it was it was one of those things where like the cinnamon amount in it like kind of counteracted with the sweetness of Mountain Dew, but the sweetness of the Mountain Dew was like, okay, we're going to take the burn away a little bit from how Fireball is. Because, like, my girlfriend, she buys Saints and Sinners here in Iowa, and she goes, it's the Fireball without the evil. Because Saints and Sinners is like an apple pie kind of tasting whiskey, and it's the same thing, or like whiskey wine, I guess you would say. I really don't know what it classifies as. But, um, she really likes Saints and Sinners, and so she calls it the Fireball without the, the evil. So there you go. If you're if you're a new starter and you're looking for something to get into that is cheap, Fireball, Mountain Dew, Pineapple Malibu Rum, and and Mountain Dew. There you go. We got you covered. Strawberry Malibu Rum. I also Strawberry have to say, Malibu. Here's the thing. Only do it if you're legal age. We do not yep. condone underage drinking on this show. Gotta say it. Not that anybody's you know dumb enough to do that, but oh yeah. We we <laughs> anyway. condone the the drink res- as as all the the beer companies during the the Super Bowls and everything say, and NFL, please drink responsibly, so be of legal age, be <laughs> with friends, do not drink and drive, do not do all this, we will parent the podcast for a minute, like, please be safe, we don't want to be responsible for that, and also, we don't want you or your friends to be responsible for any bad decisions that are made, but have fun, go nuts. We love to see it. Yeah, I was going to say, the top two things are don't drink underage <laughs> and don't drink and drive. Yep. And I think I probably said those backwards on a personal level of don't drink and drive number one. <laughs> just just yeah. say. There, there's... Yeah. All right, now that we've got done. Don't follow things, us. Don't follow talk us. About the booze. Uh, but but if... we're doing a great job. We're doing a great community service telling people not to drink and drive. <laughs> and not to not drink to, underage. Yeah. But if you guys have I don't any know other... why you're laughing so much at not drinking and driving, but anyway. um, Yeah. If you guys have we're any other... Doing a... If you have any other drink recommendations, I would say because like I'm I'm down to try stuff. JC might be if you oh, give yeah. if you send rum his way. I mean, you send Bacardi or something his way. I'm, I guarantee you he'll try it. Or if you try any like new beer thing like Bush Light with you mix it with like freaking Fanta or Orange Crush. I'm down. I'll try it. And that might be the new fad for next week. We'll yeah, to see. I was gonna say the the uh, I, when it comes to mixing anything, I'm still at the stage of. I'll drink pretty much anything. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, but yeah. All right, well, now that we've really drove off the tracks here in the early going. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about some NFL football? Gotta love it, Raiders man. Raiders and Rams. Uh, Raiders and Rams coming up tomorrow, it looks like. Yeah, Raiders and Rams coming up tomorrow. Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, finally kind of figuring out more of a rhythm here, and they've been connecting really well the last couple of weeks. Um... And the Raiders looking to try to see how much of that gap they can close. So we'll take a quick look at the standings here. Tomorrow, like JC said, Thursday night football, Raiders, Rams, and that is in good old L.A. But taking a look at the AFC, looking at the East, Bills take a top of the AFC East. They're 9-3. and three. The Miami Dolphins, 8-4. and four. The JETS, let's go Jets, led by Mike White, even though Mike White kind of suffered a little bit last week. They're seven and five. Patriots are standing at a came back and beat Minnesota, though. They did, and that that is a hell of a story. I mean, shit. The 
The Jets, they thought they were out, and then all of a sudden Mike White said, all right, we're going to pull this back in, rain in the offense, and the Jets were almost able to get it done over the Vikings in Minnesota, which would have been huge on an upset alert. But nonetheless, they fall short. The Patriots are 6-6 six and six after losing to the Bills last week and kind of getting throttled by that. Mac Jones had some choice words as he came onto the sideline. And I will say verbatim, throw the fucking ball. Our run game sucks. Like, Mac Jones was not having it. I mean, I because I, I do have Stevenson on a uh, on a fantasy team. And taking a look at just Stevenson's stat line from last week, if I can get this if I can get this pulled up here. So against the Bills last week, he had oh boy, what is that? He had ten carries for fifty four yards and on on total receptions he was targeted eight times, had six receptions for 75 yards. So the passing game was definitely doing more against the Bills' defense. And if you really take a look at it, the Patriots have been kind of been a, somewhat of a dual like dual threat. They've been able to throw the ball really well, but Stevenson has had a lot of carries this year that have kind of helped New England's offense. Their defense finally kind of hit a wall. Josh Allen was able to kind of get the Bills' offense back rolling. Singletary has been starting to run the ball Really, really well for the Bills as well. So, I mean, take it for what it's worth. I still think the Bills in the AFC could be a really, really tough team to beat. Going down through the rest of it, you've got the Ravens at 8-4 and four in the north. The Bengals are making a comeback. Joe Shiesty is back. The Beng- I don't think they ever went away, though. That's, no. I guess if there's a hot take to be had... For me, I, everybody talks about the Bengals of how they've been, you know, around it. Have they? They're eight and four. What more do you want at this point? You know, you you are in a division with the Ravens, who, with uh, Lamar being out. Yeah, I hate to huge. say it. They, they, I haven't had a chance to look at their schedules, but once we get going, uh, we'll look at it here. They might not win a game for a while. That that team barely beat Denver, and you're well aware of how bad of a team Denver is. So it, it's kind of, to me, looking at it right now, Cincinnati's division to lose. Oh, I, mean, I would agree with that 100%. If Lamar comes back sooner than later, well, and but Lamar there's only is, five weeks left. And Lamar is out for the season. Oh, he's done done. I do believe Lamar Baltimore Jackson not, is out. Baltimore might not win a game the rest of the year. So because they've got two against Pittsburgh. Yep. And at Pittsburgh, mark it down and out. I don't care how bad Pittsburgh is. At home has been shaky. They go to Cincinnati the last week. There's three losses. They're at Cleveland. Uh, I I I hate Cleveland. <laughs> I the think Browns, everybody is. just because of this whole Deshaun Watson thing. So what is Lamar market? Atlanta probably will beat them. Baltimore, in all likelihood, and I can't say 0-5 because Cleveland, like I said, Cleveland's a whole, They'll find whole a different way. thing there. Uh, Ravens will find a way in that one, go 1-4 and four the rest of the year, or rest of the season, and then you're talking about tumbling out of the playoffs at that point. I mean, the, the Jets, in all likelihood, would have a better record than the Ravens at that point. If Baltimore goes 
one and four, which is generous because they only hold a one game lead over the Jets. And and so you look at the continue. Sorry. So you look at the uh, AFC Titans, uh, Titans, Bengals. We're just going to say Bengals in the division. Chiefs, Bills. Those are your division winners. Mm -hmm. Dolphins, Jets, Patriots, Chargers would be next in line. So Baltimore, say they win one, would have nine wins. So Miami's going to be better than that. Yep. New York's going to be better than that. The Patriots, mm, maybe. I got to see the player. Pa- Patriots so will play probably end up holding build. a wild card. I would say the so Patriots hold a, that. So they can beat the Cardinals, Raiders, and say they get one of the Bengals, Dolphins, or Patriots. That's nine wins. So the Patriots are going to be right there. I mean, the Jets have the Lions, Jags, and Seahawks. There's three wins. The Jets will be in the playoffs over Baltimore. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Losing Lamar to me is a huge, huge detriment to the Ravens. Also, I've got lines and point totals pulled up for uh, these games as we talk about them, too. Just throwing that out there. Well, if you want to read those off or if they're up and coming, we can get to them. So you tell so, me what you got. <laughs> we'll start with Raiders and Rams. Right now the point spread according to Caesar Sportsbook on this Wednesday evening. These they'll probably change uh, by the time we have it out. But Raiders are six and a half point favorites. The over under set at forty three and a half. I'm s I guess I didn't realize how bad the Rams were. I thought the Raiders were uh, not not so hot, but apparently the Rams are worse so the Rams are worse and the Raiders are on a three-game win streak and granted taking a look at the Raiders schedule so they come off a three-game win streak after a three-game skid losing to the Saints 24 nothing the Jags 27 to 20 and then the Colts 25 to 20 then you got a win over the Broncos 22 to 16 which was in overtime or take that back hold on Mm -hmm. it was just over in regular time against the Broncos Josh Jacobs runs 86 yards to beat the uh, Seahawks in overtime, 40-34, to and then a win over the Chargers last week. And now you have the Rams coming up this week. And like JC said, the Rams have been shaky this year. I mean, it's it's not been good. And, well, the Raiders have won two of their last two games in overtime. Yes. So I think if you're – I mean, I <laughs> this is coming from a guy who hasn't hardly watched any football – um, did catch the Chiefs and Bengals this last weekend. Great game, by the way. Oh, fantastic um, game. To me, looking at it, the Raiders over their games, 7, 6, and 6. <laughs> they seem like a team that you could put 6.5 to win. I, I would agree. And be fine. Their Their defense has been good. Kind of as, I would <laughs> say, I mean, I would 20, say. 20, 34, well, Denver 16 is whatever, but 25 to the Colts, 27 to Jacksonville. Their defense has been able to hold, I will say. The, the biggest, <laughs> that's, that's, there you go. The, the defense has been able to hold. So if you have the Raiders when it comes to the fantasy, if you're looking for a hold late, I think you can get it because a lot of the times the Raiders are kind of choking more on offense late as they are defensively. But I will say this here. Taking a look at this Raiders-Rams game. The man got off of waivers. Or the man got 
waved over. He is no longer at Carolina. Baker Mayfield is now an L.I. Ram. He is still unsure if he will play against the Raiders. There's a possibility he can and could. But now Baker Mayfield is gone from the Panthers. That experiment failed fast. Failed miserably fast. And especially now that you don't have Christian McCaffrey and he's a Niner. Oh, the the Panthers have, have hit a rock bottom when it comes to a little bit more of offensive production. Now, they've still got Foreman on the offense. So, and we can get to that later. But the Rams with six and a half, I think you could take. Or the Raiders with six and a half, I think you could take. I think the defense would be able to hold. Offense. The interesting discussion comes in at 43 and a half. As if you take the over-under on 43 and a half. Because of, you know... The Raiders, let's see, a Raiders 27. Yeah, well, I guess if you go by the Raiders, you probably take the over, but I don't know. The Rams 3 and 9. I'm going to I'm going to take last games. Yeah, I guess you got to take the over. I would take the over just, like just barely. Like it would it would gut wrench me to try to take the under just because I know that it could happen, but I I to place the safe bet, I would say over. Because you don't know what Rams team is going to show up. Because like taking a look, so even all you the, need twenty four twenty. Yeah, because taking a look at their last couple of games here, so their last win. We're all over them. Oh yeah, <laughs> and so their last win was against Carolina a few weeks ago. You've got a loss to the 49ers, thirty one to fourteen. The Buccaneers, who have played a lot of crappy games. God, they haven't won since October oh, October yeah. fifteenth. They dropped six in a row. Yep, six straight. Bucks 16-13, Cardinals 27-17, the Saints 27-20, Chiefs 26-10, Seahawks 27-23. You got the Raiders coming up. I mean, it's like JC said, it's all over the freaking board. So, I mean, you could easily take the under and think you're playing the safe bet, and all of a sudden, hey, offense comes up and Stafford or Mayfield. My Raiders in that game. I don't, I don't care about the Rams. Oh, the yeah, at that point. they put up the points that – the Rams only need to put up 14, 17 points, and you'll be above it. So I am going, lock it in, Raiders minus six and a half, and I'm going with the over. There you go. So. So, <laughs> moving I, to the next one, and I love this game because <sighs> there's just something about, that we talked about it last week, Jets and Bills in the playoffs. I called Jets it, though. I called the first game, and I said that the Bills were going to get upset by the Jets. I had a feeling the Jets have been playing good, and granted, Zach Wilson let me down the next week and decided that he said that he didn't let down his defense, and Mike White said, I'll show you what the hell actually helping your defense does, and then still, and then he decided, hey, we're going to still almost come back and beat the Vikings, so there you go. But the Jets Bills coming back. This time it's in Buffalo. And the Bills are a nine and a half point favorite over under set at forty four. I still I don't know if the Jets can win. I still like the Jets to be within nine and a half though. I, I think the Jets are a good enough team that nine and a half seems like a lot to me, points wise. I think if you look at the offensive production that the Jets have been able to do this year, so 
they have had within the last couple of games here, and I'm going to pull it up. There, I will say the the thing that really benefits the Jets right now is they're four and two on the road, but their road teams so far this year have been Browns win, Steelers win, Packers win. I will say the Packers take it for what their record is, but the Packers are the still Packers a, are terrible. They're they're terrible, but I mean you always play. It seems to be the team that you play your worst against because I don't know freaking why, but the Cheeseheads come out and show sometimes. The Broncos, that was going to be a win regardless, and I'm sorry, as a Broncos fan, it hurts for me to say that, but good Lord Almighty, we cannot get an offense. And then the last two games that the Jets have had on the road, 10-3 loss to the Patriots, 27-22 loss against the Vikings. The Bills, you had a win 20-17. to The Vikings, you lost, but you only lost by five. Two of probably the best teams, if not just better, with the Bills. Because the, the best team there they were, they kind of fell off a little bit. They had a stumble. You have held those teams to probably some of their lowest offensive scoring so far this year. And my problem, I mean, you're pretty damn close. So if you can take a look at how the Jets have played this year, and even if you still have Mike White as your quarterback, I trust that they can cover. But when you're in Buffalo, I don't think that they win this one. I think that the Bills at home are too strong of a team. So you have the same thing I do. Where the Jets don't win, but they can cover nine and a half. Yep, I would agree with that one. Bills looking at their schedule, too. They're at home against the Jets, at home against Miami. They get a bad Bears team Christmas Eve. So, hey, merry early, merry Christmas to the Bills. <laughs> They're going to boat race Chicago. Uh, they get Cincinnati Patriots. How about this stretch when you look at it as a team that everybody expects to make a deep run? Jets are a playoff team. Dolphins are a playoff team. Bengals are a playoff team. Patriots are a bubble team. Four of your next five games. And granted, three of the five are division opponents you'd have anyway, but four of the next five games of playoffs, the Bills are going to go into this stretch. And you look at last week with the Patriots, say the Patriots are a team, five of their last six games are playoff teams. They've already played Minnesota. They've already played Kansas City. They've already played, you don't talk about the AFC East teams because obviously they played them. Yep. They've already played Baltimore. They boat raced Tennessee. They've played almost everybody in the AFC that matters. Yep. Between their division, Kansas City, Tennessee, Baltimore, Cincinnati, and, that's it. and Minnesota on the AFC side, but that wouldn't be unless they meet in the Super Bowl, which is predicated on Minnesota not choking themselves, which we'll get to, but that, that's a, that would be a surprise in itself. <laughs> but I will say this for Buffalo. Their defense has not been the greatest as of late. Taking a look at the last few games that Buffalo has had, if my computer will scroll, thank you. So, so we'll throw it all the way back to the, let's go back to Kansas City. So 24-20, and granted, you, actually you can throw that game out because Kansas City, they're one of the toughest teams in the league. 24-20 yeah. is about throw, the best you can that, Yeah, that was a bad example. Packers. 27-17, and granted, 17, when, when you win by 10, that's a good margin. But at the same time, Packers... The Packers suck! Exactly. The Packers are terrible. So, 
when your when your biggest achievement this year is beating Chicago in Chicago, that's, that tells you all you need to know. They lost to Detroit. Yeah, they lost to Detroit. They lost here. Now that we're on the Packers, I I, I love the fact they're losing, <laughs> and I think it's hilarious. And I've wanted to rant about this for a while. Their wins against Tampa, who it doesn't look like Tampa, a Patriots team they needed overtime to beat. The Bears twice, Washington once, which that Washington game, or rather they lost to Washington. So the Bears twice, Tampa, uh, the Patriots, and the Cowboys. Are there five wins? And I think they're five win team. Um, none of those are great. <laughs> no, none of those are. And, and Packer fans, after the Bears game, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, has a, I don't even know what it, it's, again, it's a rivalry game. But here's my take, and I've said this, you've broadcasted games with me, and I've, I've talked about this before. In order for it to be a rivalry, both teams have to consistently win. Yeah. You can't have, it, it, it takes the, the luster, the entertainment value out of Bears-Packers is a great example of it. The Bears- don't beat the Packers. No. They haven't beaten the Packers. And when you <laughs> celebrate the way Green Bay does, especially this year, kind of tells me where they're at. Yeah. So you look, okay, let's let's go back here. Bears Packers. Last last Bears win, you gotta go back to twenty eighteen. That was 24-20 in Chicago. This gets worse. Damn. The last Bears win in Green Bay, you got to go back to 2015. In this stretch, we'll go from 2015, November 26, 2015, to today. The Bears are 2-5-8-10, Holy shit. Okay, and so that's 2015. Mark, i got to go right Find a piece of paper and write this down. So two and fifteen. It's like Nebraska and Iowa. Good lord. Since uh, two and fifteen since eleven twenty six fifteen. Because this this is gonna get worse. So <laughs> go from twenty fifteen back to two thousand eleven in that uh, playoff esque game that the Packers won on a hail mary. The Bears on that stretch are one and. 10. Oh. So that goes back to 1, 2, 11. So since January 2nd of 2011, oh. the Bears are a whopping 3-25 and 25 oh. against Green Bay. What are you celebrating? Yeah, that... Seriously. Uh... What are you celebrating? And here's their win. They won by 9 last time. 17 earlier this year in the games last year, 15, 10 in the games in the 2021 or 2020, 2021 season, 19, uh, 16, eight, seven. And you get a little closer, but as of recently, you blow this team out. If it's in green Bay, there's not a team. There's it's a Sunday tough. night game, 55 to 14 in Green Bay in 2014. I watched the game live. 
what do we? What does Green Bay celebrate? You're so bad that you're celebrating a win in Chicago by nine, which you needed an 18 point fourth quarter to even get to. You and, were losing. And you I'll, were losing in the fourth quarter to Chicago. And I'll I'll say that. I'll say that right there. I think if you really want to dive into the history, we could really break down the numbers for you because I, at one point I would I would maybe love to, and I'm sure JC right now would be uh, dying to. I won't. I, I, the Bears are terrible against them. I just think that every Packers fan that is, and I'm, I don't know, maybe it's just the side of Twitter that I'm on, but everybody is praising Green Bay for this win. You're terrible. You're probably not going to make the playoffs. No. You're not going to win the North. The Bears are worse than you are. The Bears have won like four games this three games this year. And my and as I look at the NFC, you're not going to make the playoffs unless the NFC East cannibalizes itself. You've got to be at you're behind Detroit in the playoff race. And my biggest thing that you really have to look at is how how have those fourth quarters been such a factor because I I really think if you take a look at it besides that fifty five to fourteen or fifty four to fourteen the Bears game, are getting their ass kicked before the fourth quarter that's just this game where you look at you're losing to a three and nine team you're four and eight or whatever they are down by nine you need eighteen and fourth to beat them and you celebrate it like you won the Super Bowl I don't know maybe it's because I'm a cynic uh, Bears fan here but. The Bears have beaten you three times I'll since say, January of 2011. I'll say when it's one of the oldest rivalries in, spo- in the sport, there, yeah. there, there is some validity to that. I mean, yeah, I would be celebrating too, but at the same time. If you go all the way back, the Packers only lead the series by 10. But I'm talking as of recent, oh, since yeah. I've been alive. It's, and it's I been can go worse. back to the late 90s and, and since about 95. Well, let me look at it. While we're talking about it here. So since uh, October 31st of 94, the Bears have won once in ni- well, I'm going to tally this because I'm going to forget. Once in 99, once in 2000, once in 2004, they had a really good stretch in 05, 06 where they won <laughs> 6 of 8. So let's see. 3, 4, 5. Uh, so that's 9. Um, oh boy, I don't, I don't like where this is going. 10, 13 since, and by the way, for those that are curious, this is before I was born, by the way, uh, <laughs> since this or since October 31st, 1994, the Bears have won in the series 13 times. Woof, duh. Now, if we do some basic math, which we should at the end of the year, we should clip together every time we talk about the skills of the math, <laughs> our math, uh, skills. skills, our math <laughs> skills. I can't even say it on this show because it's it's a recurring thing. Well, and this is bad. To now, keep going. I'll I won't derail it. Two thousand twenty-eight years. Oof. Twenty-eight years. Okay, in twenty-eight years, where you play the team at minimum twice. There was at least one playoff game. So 28 years, that's 56. Let's see, I think they played only once in the playoffs. Once in the playoffs. So 57, give or take. 
So that would be right. 57. So the record in the series is 44 and 13 since 1994. For the Packers. That's the Packers have won 44 of 57. (laughs) Granted, in the 80s, right before that, the Bears were really good. Oh, yeah. Good old Rivera. 1994. And there's games in here that are ass whooping. <laughs> oh, it's it's not good. It's not pretty, man. Oh, and, uh, there's there's several of those Green Bay games that I remember that are in Green Bay that are boat races. The Sunday night game of fifty five fourteen was just icing on the cake. But yeah. So anyway, after all that diatribe and. <laughs> Wonderful after we, math. After we go I through a Packers rant and, a, and math class, because I'll, I'll say this, I, I, it's it's really funny that we talk about math and how bad, and I'll do it with air quotes, how bad we are, and we were sports broadcasters in college. You do it basically for a job. I pretty much did it for a job until I found the job that I work for now. Dude, there are some times where I'm sitting there and I'm like, I should be able to do all this. And I'm like, I look at a board and I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. Or we I was t- going to say sports broadcasting is the greatest way to teach somebody math skills because you can just look at numbers and for the oh. most part, you're like, you're spot on. But yeah, 44 and 13. Anyway, that's a long way to say. I think the whole Packers celebrating this win that they're now, I gotta make sure I get this record right. Five and a whopping five and eight. They're five and a half games behind Minnesota for the division. And you're celebrating beating a team that's three and 10 that has no prayer of doing anything. That's already, by the way, mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. They are out. They are out. They are Houston out. Houston and us are the only two teams that are eliminated. And that's sad because so Denver should be gone. That. It's so stupid to celebrate that. I oh, mean, yeah. I get your season's crap, but yeah, Denver's three and nine. They'll be there soon. Don't worry. You're the yep. second worst team in the AFC. Oh yeah. Only Houston's worse than you are. Uh, I don't even want to talk about that. That's bad. We'll we'll get there. So yeah. That, anyway, that's my my little ranty rant about the old Bears game from this uh, last week. It was. It just struck me as funny, and <laughs> it's frustrating. Drive me up the goddamn wall. <laughs> and I think I, I I don't know that it's my thing with Aaron Rodgers has been he's good in the regular season, Shitty and in the he's post. fine when things are going well. But boy, has he not been. <sighs> I don't know. He's been frustrating to watch when his team sucks around him. Well, okay, so I want to make that argument now with the good old... <clears throat> and this... I watched the game the other night, and I, I really hated to watch it. <laughs> Bucks Saints, and the Bucks just looked like shit. Tampa has not looked good in recent weeks. They have not looked good all season. They are a whopping, what is it now? Hold on as I pull this record up. They're 6-6, six and six, and they're first in the NFC South, and we'll finish the rankings later. Oh, yeah, I know. But, so, Tom Brady is literally just on his last leg, I think. Like, this, this should be 
Brady should be done. As, as much as I hate to say it, but this one kid, and I did see the sign live. Now, I kind of went to bed after this because Chris Olave scored me some points, got me a win at Fantasy, and I was like, all right, I'm good. I can go to bed. I didn't want to watch it. I looked at Twitter before I even saw the final score, before I even saw anything the next morning when I woke up, and this kid held up a, a sign that said, in the GOAT we trust. I looked at the score, and I looked at Tampa being only down a touchdown, like, literally, it would be an extra point to win. And there was a two-minute sign or two-minute time on the clock. And I said, well, fuck. The Saints lost this game. Didn't have to look. Truly truly did not. Truly didn't have to look. Didn't do anything. First thing I pull up on ESPN was Tom Brady marches down the field, scores on a touchdown. And I was like, this proves the point that Tom Brady is a quarterback that no matter what team you're going against, no matter if you are in the playoffs, regular season, preseason, shit, you could be in a summer league team. I don't care. Tom Brady is a person that you could leave five seconds on a freaking clock and he will march down the field and score. I don't care how it happens. A two-minute drill is something that you do not leave this man with because he truly is the goat in two-minute drill. It's ridiculous. Saints lose seventeen. To, oh yeah, Saints lose seventeen to sixteen. By the freaking way, if you couldn't tell, it was sixteen to damn ten, and the Saints defense could have just said, "Oh hey." The Saints defense could have said it. The entire Atlanta Falcons team could have said it back when they lost the damn Super Bowl. Anybody oh, that has faced memories. it. Oh, shit. Any team that has said, all right, we just scored. There's two minutes left on the clock. And they looked over to the sideline and realized who the frick they were playing and just said, oh, freaking shit. Here we go again. And Brady just comes out and he probably looks over to the sideline every single time, winks and says, hey, watch this. I'm like, dude. Oh. Yeah, pretty much. It's That's it's horrible. Summary of uh, it, it is frustrating to watch. Yeah, but the Bucks have struggled this year. They've got the 49ers, and the 49ers have <laughs> have got dealt a shitty hand. Now, I wouldn't say shitty hand because. You take a look at last week. Jimmy Garoppolo goes down in the first half, in the first quarter, and all of a sudden, somebody gets tossed out on the field, and everybody's probably looking like, well, who the hell is this kid? Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant, a.k.a. Iowa State's hero, besides Brees Hall, who also was just destroyed this year with an ACL. Sorry, Brees Hall. You were on my team. I loved you. You got me some points early. But good old Brock Purdy. Comes out, he struggles early, and it, of course, he only played a couple of snaps in the NFL, but Brock Purdy comes out, and all of a sudden, you know what? Brock Purdy says, I'm going to figure out that, hey, I can throw to Christian McCaffrey. I can throw to Kittle. Wait a second, hold on. If I do that, then that... on the field that I throw the football to. What? I, I, I don't have to scramble for my life. I can throw to you. I can throw to you. Wait, hold on. That opens up the whole field. I've got Brandon Ayuk. I've got Debo Samuel. I've got weapons. And even with Matt Campbell at Iowa State when they won a Big 12 title, yeah, they had some weapons. But, dude, the man finally just kind of sat down, sunk in, and said, all right, let's do this. Brock Purdy decides to just absolutely go off for San Francisco. And, I mean, in his first game of actually just kind of 
being there, when you take on the Dolphins, you're 27 to 35. You've got 210 yards. You've got two touchdowns through the air, and you've got one interception. Like, dude, Brock Purdy decided that he wanted to just kind of unleash the beast. I am truly excited to see what San Francisco can do now. They're 8-4. and four. They've got the Bucks coming to town. They're 5-1. and one. They're first in the NFC West. I mean, shit. I think Brock Purdy could just decide to pull a Heineke this year and just say, hey, guys, I've got my backpack on. Who wants to hop in? Because Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> was kind of coming into the playoffs thinking, oh, yeah, now I'm, I'm here. Trey Lance is gone. And then now Jimmy G's gone. Brock Purdy decided to hop up. And, I mean, granted, the Bucks defense is not the best. The Bucks are not the best. The Seahawks, you might have trouble with Geno Smith because, I mean, holy shit, Geno Smith came out of nowhere this year. And, I mean, Geno Smith is a seasoned veteran, but he's been a backup. And then all of a sudden this year with the Seahawks, he's been putting them to it. Heineke and the Commanders are just, they're hot. They're playing with fire. I think if Brock Purdy can get another game under his belt and get another really true performance out of himself, even on the road against Seattle, before facing the Commanders, after a win against the Bucks at home, because yes, they'll beat the Bucks. I think Brock Purdy could possibly still lead this team to a playoff and be be a true contender. I, I truly do. I think that if you give Purdy a chance, he will shine. That might be a hot take, but I think I got it. Yeah, other NFL games uh, talking about Ravens Steelers. I I just don't see how Baltimore wins this game. I, I Kenny Pickett, man, and the Steelers, they're, I, they're I on. I don't respect Pittsburgh, and I don't <laughs> think they're a good team, but Baltimore without Lamar, man, I... Uh, it's tough. He is Baltimore at this point. I know Baltimore fans want to run him out of town and, you know, want him to go somewhere else, but... <sighs> what are you going to do he, when you got a quarterback that produces points nothing there there you can't i mean i don't know uh, i think lamar is better than people give him credit for i think the ravens lose to pittsburgh i <laughs> like i said they'll win one game the rest of the way and that's cleveland and they better win one game the rest of the way speaking of uh, speaking cleveland of cleveland browns they're at cincinnati they're six point dogs this might be the easiest pick of the entire week. Cincinnati, like you said. Oh, yeah. People are just starting to notice now. Cincinnati's 8-4. and four. They're right there. They had a tough go over at the beginning, but uh, I think Cincinnati's the easy pick. And and that's just uh, the thing. They, they, had the, they had the rough go at the beginning where they kind of stumbled. Joe Burrow kept getting sacked and sacked and sacked. And, I mean, that's the worst thing about it is you get a guy who's so talented on the offense. You get a guy who's – just that talented, but the, the biggest thing was is I watched another clip uh, literally this morning of Joe Burrow getting decked in the UCF LSU. Uh, I believe it was the Sugar Bowl game or uh, frick, I can't remember what bowl game it was a couple of years ago in twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen. And yeah, Joe, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, bro. but Joe Burrow just becomes unglued, and I will say this. A quarterback hates to get hit. You you want to say that you want to scream, you want to get pissed off and everything like that. Joe Burrow decides to just get pissed off at his inner at his inner self and just unload. 
I mean, the man has been getting hit and hit and hit, and he's just he, he doesn't have protection. I mean, if you're Cincinnati, please get this kid this kid a line because you lose your quarterback and you lose your franchise that you have just built in a couple of years. But, dude, Joe Burrow plays so much better when he is just straight on. Like, there is red on his ledger and there's death in the man's eyes because he will <laughs> stare down the field and just tear you apart. I It's unreal. I love seeing Joe Burrow play after he's been decked, after he's just kind of been beaten down for a second because, I mean, he regroups himself and he goes out and – he looks he looks like a seasoned veteran in only a couple of years in the NFL. And that's hard to say about a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of players, but Joe Burrow takes it to a whole new level. Kind of the same way that Mahomes did. Mahomes kind of came in and as soon as he started getting off his rookie shades in three or four games, he was like, All right, let's go. Josh Allen, same thing. The new quarterbacks in the last couple of years have just been bred to play, and I love seeing it. But, yes, Bengals over Cleveland, easy pick. And the easiest pick of the week is a battle of Texas, and it's going to not really be a battle of anything. Oof, it's bad. Maybe if Houston can keep the Cowboys under 45 might be the real battle. Uh, Dallas-Houston line is 17, 16.5 points. Oh God, Houston's so bad. It's it's horrible. I, I think this is the easiest slam dunk of seventeen, sixteen and a half, I should say. Seems like a lot of points until you realize it's Houston. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, and Dallas and Dak Prescott finding another rhythm as well. You got C D Lamb who just makes incredible acrobatic catches and you've got a running duo between Pollard and Zeke. And just, I mean, even if Dak falls again, Cooper Rush is probably bound to pick it back up and not miss a step. I mean, holy crap. Dallas has completely flipped on my head or flipped it on its head of how they were kind of predicted into the season. I mean, they were predicted to be dangerous, but at the same time, like, to me, Dallas wasn't going to do anything. Like, I thought Dallas was going to be, like, right there. They've completely just shot it out of the water. And they're in full full, full, full playoff contention mode because they're second in the NFC East. They're 9-3 and three on the year. Dak's coming back. He's ready to go. They're on a three-game win streak. They beat the Vikings, too, and by beat, I mean just piss-pounded the Vikings. Beat the Giants only by eight. And, I mean, the Giants are a team that you can't you can't sidestep either. Oh, yeah. Every single team in that division is a playoff team. Yeah, and the Giants got Philadelphia this weekend, and I think that's going to be a lot closer game than everybody would think. I mean, <clears throat> Philly with Jalen Hurts, uh, you got A.J. Brown, you got Miles Sanders. Um, Goddard is still on the IR, but, I mean, you take a look at that Philadelphia team, and, I mean, top to bottom, Philadelphia seems granted they have one mishap. They got one loss. All right, fine. Defense has still been able to come back. They've been a little shaky at times, but defense able to come back. Jalen Hurts has not missed a step. New York, the Giants have just been there. Like, they've they've been consistently there, and I love seeing it. And I think the Giants have an actually, or they actually have a really good chance of beating Philly at home this week. It's going to be a bloodbath, and it's going to come down, I think, to the wire or an overtime win. But I think New York actually could beat Philly this week. And then the last line that I really want to talk about, because it's interesting to me, Detroit at home against Minnesota is favored by two and a half points. 
The Detroit Lions that are five and seven, five games out of the north, two and a half point favorites against Ole Minnesota. Detroit played Minnesota to a 28-24 loss in the first uh, game. Something that's kind of been Detroit's thing this year. Three-point loss to the Eagles, four-point loss to the Vikings, three-point loss to the uh, Seahawks, four-point loss to the Dolphins, uh, three-point loss to the Bills. <laughs> I still think Minnesota wins this game. I mean, all they need to do is win by a field goal. I, I think I think it'll be, like I said with the Giants and the Eagles, I think that the Lions, they're they're five and seven, yeah, <clears throat> but I think that the Lions aren't getting enough credit. I mean, they've they've kind of had a a turnaround after losing what is that six straight, five five or six straight, and they've come back, won a couple of games, they've won against the Giants, and granted, beat the Packers, beat the Bears. All right, fine, three point loss, like you said, to the Bills. I mean, I think that the the Lions are kind of a weird team this year to where they could be finding a way oddly into a wild card spot, but I, I mean that's that's a big if. Well if you look at their schedule, change the Bills, change the Dolphins, change the Seahawks, change the Vikings, uh change the Eagles. That's five games. Oh we accidentally dropped the call. I'm going to try to get JC back here. Give me one second, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. he. I, I don't know if he if he dropped it on accident or if the call just dropped. We're hoping that the call just dropped because we'll get him back on here as we're. The hall, you dropped me. No, you dropped yourself, Big Hoss. Uh, well, I don't know about that, but. Well. Wi-Fi calls will do that to you. But here's my thing. Vikings, I just don't see how they lose this game. Detroit, if you flip their possession games, could be 10-2, and two, which is weird to say. But yeah. I, you saying they're a playoff, they better win today. They better win against Minnesota if they want a chance at the playoffs because that NFC East mm-hmm. is stout. And by and by, say a playoff team, and like I said, they they may find a way to sneak they're in because borderline. they're they're borderline. And I mean, you take a look at the way that Jared Goff kind of started out this year, and you take away, like you said, take away a couple of three point losses. Shit, I wish I could say that for Nebraska, but at the same time, regardless, you take a look at those three point losses, and you're you're looking at a a couple of big upset wins there for the Lions. You're flipping the schedule on its head. And now you are sitting as a playoff team. You're sitting as a, a team that could possibly ride a wild card spot, hold it. And I, I don't know. It's they just need a lot of help. They oh, don't yeah. hold a tiebreaker with Seattle. The only team they could hope to catch is the Giants because they beat the Giants. Yeah, and I think the biggest. But they still need two wins and two Commanders, Giants, Seahawks losses that you would get in the. But they're not going to win this weekend, so it's not going to matter. Minnesota wins uh, two and a half. I'm going to say Minnesota wins uh, 31-28. Another 24-21, something like that. I think Minnesota will win close like they did the first quarter. 
Another three-point loss for the Lions. Well, and you got to keep them on St. Brown healthy. You got to keep DeAndre Swift healthy. I mean, there there's a lot of good talent on that Lions team. They just need some help. And JC, if you got any other money lines you want to cover real quick, and then hop into NHL, I will take a quick ten-second break really fast so I can go grab a refill. Because I mean, I'm 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 enjoying the talks. We're getting back to it, and we're we're talking. I love the 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 bounce back and forth. We're an hour into it, and we still haven't moved on from the NFL. Yeah, and hopefully my call doesn't drop again since I'm the one being blamed for it. I think that's a crock, but you know, you do you. Uh, one more line to talk about: Kansas City's nine and a half favorites at your Denver Broncos. Uh, Denver's terrible. I think Kansas City wins by at least two touchdowns. I think you look at that game, uh, Denver's bad, Kansas City's not. It's in Denver's the only hope for old KC to not close nine and a half, but eh, we're going to say they do it anyway. All right, so with that, we're switching to some NHL because my team's good. They're damn good. They're playoff caliber good. I get to brag up one of my teams being genuinely good for the first time on this podcast in Grimany. I don't know how long. The Blue Jays are good, but some about this Devils team. Uh, they won last night, uh, I should say Tuesday night, against the old Chicago Blackhawks 3 Zippo. Devils 24, or 21, 4 and 1. 43 points. Good enough for a first place in the Eastern Metropolitan Division. Interesting thing with them is they're eleven and one on the road. They got a goal differential of plus thirty nine. Uh, Carolina's second at thirty four points. Pittsburgh's third. They played a god awful Columbus team. We'll talk about that coming up. Columbus. Oh, you talk about a team that looks awful. Uh, watched their game Tuesday night because the Devils was blacked out. Because being in Iowa sucks. You get like five teams in each sport you can't watch, and Chicago's one of them. Uh, Rangers and Islanders, 32 and 29 points. Everybody else is irrelevant. Columbus played Pittsburgh last night, and it was a clown show. Uh, they were, it was, uh, I don't know, 4 2 3 1. They were down two and had a chance with like three minutes to go to pull their goalie for an extra attacker, which is what you should do. Give yourself a chance. If they score, who cares? You were losing by two anyway. The goalie didn't come off the ice, so he got stuck. And then he tried to go off the ice. The Penguins won the faceoff. He threw his stick. I kid you not. He threw his stick at the puck. Missed it. And then the puck bounces off the board back to the Penguin. And the goalie like throws himself at the puck and misses it. Columbus is a, is a joke. Uh, Atlantic, Boston, 21-3-1. They're 43 points. Uh, they're played one less game than the Devils. And that's the other part about Devils in the Metro is they played uh, one game, same amount as Carolina and Pittsburgh, who they lead by 9 and 11 points respectively. And they played one less than both the Rangers, Islanders, two less than Washington. So you look at that top click, if you will, in the old Metropolitan. Devils are sitting in pretty good shape, uh, having played 26 games already. Atlantic, Boston, they're the team to beat. Toronto, uh, two games more played than Atlanta, uh, than Boston, who's at 43 points. Toronto's at 38, and then everybody else is, uh, 
steep drop-off. Detroit, Tampa, both at 31. Although Tampa, you kind of get a feeling they get in the playoffs, they'll be a dangerous team. Uh, then you go Florida, Montreal, Buffalo, and Ottawa, and none of those teams are uh, particularly spectacular. Western, it's a good race between Dallas and Winnipeg. Uh, they have 33 points each through 26 and 24 games, respectively. Minnesota's right there through 25 at 28 points. Colorado, Nashville, St. Louis, Arizona, and Chicago wrap it up. St. Louis is a weird one. <sighs> Keep waiting for St. Louis to take off. Uh, I see them next week. They take on Nashville down in uh, the uh, Enterprise Center in St. Louis. Should be fun. Also see the Devils. They take on Dallas, a couple of good teams there. Pacific Division, well, if you've heard this story before, you're not alone. Uh, Vegas leads 39 points. They're boat racing their whole uh, division. However, Seattle's two games less than them, so if you map out four points, it's technically only 39-37 points-wise. If Seattle could win two in a row, which the expansion teams are running the Pacific, which is kind of funny. Los Angeles at 28 games played at 32 points, so Seattle's not as far out, mathematically speaking, in the Pacific as you would think. Uh, Seattle and Vegas, the only two that have a really strong goal differential. Vegas is only plus 23, which is a surprisingly low number for them. Uh, Seattle, plus 11, but like I said, Seattle could... Be as close as 39-37 when both teams are 27 games played. So what that means for the wild card race, you look at the Eastern Conference and the Metro, Devils, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Atlantic, Boston, Toronto, Detroit, wild card race, Islanders, Tampa, New York, the top three. Florida's there at four and then a whole slew of other teams. Western Conference Central, Winnipeg and Dallas at Minnesota. Vegas, Seattle, and L.A. for the Pacific. Edmonton, Calgary, Colorado, the top two. Nashville, Vancouver, and St. Louis, the next three again. For me, on a personal level, it just feels like at some point the Blues have to get going. Conference-wise, just to talk about points because it's fun because the Devils at this point are at the top. Uh, Boston and the Devils currently tied at 43 points. Boston has played one less game, so they technically rank higher at this point. A plus 47 goal differential doesn't hurt either. They have yet to lose at home. Boston 14-0-1 at home. Uh, kind of a flip with the Devils. I talked about it 11-1 on the road, 10-3-1 at home. Toronto third, Carolina fourth, Pittsburgh fifth. In the Eastern, when you look at it conference standings-wise, on the Western, Vegas, 39 points. They're just running away with it. However, similar to the conversation with Seattle, Winnipeg's played 24 games to 33 points. So if you had six, hypothetically, they could have the same record as Vegas. So Winnipeg's right there. Seattle's right there. Dallas is would be in the hunt. L.A., is the big fall off. They've played one more game in Vegas, only the 32 points. And then everybody else kind of falls out on that. And then breaking it down to league, again, really doesn't hold any, uh, any, you know, anything with anything. But 
Boston and New Jersey currently are tied for the best record in hockey. And again, Boston holds that advantage having played one less game. But Vegas has played two more than Boston, one more than New Jersey to 39 points, Toronto at 38, Carolina 34, Winnipeg at 33. So can I I ask a question? Sure. When I was going to say, you can, you can finish your statement here before I ask. Sorry about that. So technically, it's another week. The Devils are rolling in the Metropolitan. The Devils are tied for the conference lead in points, and they are tied for the lead league in points. So, despite having played one more game than Boston. But Boston might lose, so you never know. So coming from a person who thoroughly enjoys hockey, and granted, watches hockey on TV every now and then, I watched it more when I had roommates from Minnesota, and I had the one Vegas roommate, Kenny, who is a big Knights that fan. That sounds like the most stereotypical oh, thing you could say about sure. a hockey fan, but sure. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but they loved watching the Wild, or at least one of my roommates really did. And I love watching hockey because I've gone to a couple of Iowa Wild games. I went to UNO Maverick hockey back in Omaha. I went to a Lancers game, which nobody's really going to know, but the Omaha Lancers and uh, Sioux City they, Bucks. Uh, them and Sioux City uh, like the tangle. Oh, yeah. So a couple of people might have heard of the Omaha Lancers. By the way, by the way. All right. Sioux City is a better hockey team. If we have anybody that actually follows the Lancers, they they might torch our social media pages for that. But Sioux City is a better hockey team. Anyway. I can't argue. (laughs) I can't truly argue with that. I'm sorry, Omaha. I cannot defend us on this one because I do not know. But at the same time, I love hockey. It's very fun to watch. I prefer going to it over sitting on TV and watching it, but I actually would like to get more invested because I am a self-proclaimed Panthers fan. I've said it a couple of times on the podcast earlier. I'm not a bandwagon. It was the one team I picked off of NHL like 2001. But what do to break it down from a person who's trying to learn hockey, to break it down from a person like me who is trying to fully try to get into an understanding of hockey – what do the points mean when it comes into the league, and how do you score them? Because as you were saying, so, the Knights have thirty nine, the the Brewers and the De- or the Bruins and the Devils have forty three. What classifies to get you points? So when you look at your points, it's wins, losses, and overtime losses. So a win, you get two points. Every night, your team has a shot to get two points. The second you get to overtime, you get at least one point. You okay. lose in overtime and get a point. So when you look at New Jersey's record of 24 or 21-4-1, and one, you've got 21 times 2, which is 42, okay. and then you have 1 times 1, which is 1. Okay. And that's how your points work out. Losses obviously count for nothing because, you know, and, and you know what else I'm going to say? Hockey doesn't end in ties. Yep. Football ends in ties. Soccer ends in ties. But the two sports I'm a huge fan of, baseball and hockey, don't end in ties. There is very little that's more exciting than shootout and overtime in hockey. I should say football should never end in a freaking tie. That that just well, me well the football football really big fans oh. were having a bit of a problem in the soccer World Cup of games ending in draws. And then you realize, oh, yeah, by the way, your sport can end in a tie, too. Well, and the weird fact of the matter is, so you take a look at a sport like hockey. So you have your shootout. 
right? Soccer, World Cup, depending on the ruling, and granted, my soccer knowledge is not the greatest at this either, but you do have, you get to a shootout at some point as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's when you get to the round of 16, I think. Because yeah. when you're in group play, I don't, because yeah. the U.S. drew twice. Yep, they drew twice, so and then they in, were able to in, beat Iraq and the, or Iran. One of the, Iraq or Iran? I for, I, I think it was Iran. Yeah, and I, I'm sorry I butchered the hell out of that. I, I love the U.S. I am not the biggest soccer fan. I'm sorry. And honestly, men, you got to the round of 16. Freaking hell yeah. Same time. Yeah, literally. We won a World Cup. We want a championship on the male side because we want something to brag about. But, dude, I'm sorry if there's any women's sport that I would root for in the U.S., it would be women's soccer because, holy shit, our women are good. They kick ass. But anyways, the shootout to me makes it more exciting. I still hate the fact that a game can end in a tie because I almost just feel like you're handing out a participation ribbon. And granted, this this hits a lot of levels at this point in time. But with football in the NFL, you went into the tie. In college, you literally have to get through a blood. I don't think I've ever seen a college football game within my lifespan end with a tie. I don't think any college football team has ended in a tie. And it might have been Division Three or NAIA, and they didn't have freaking lights, so they had to end in a tie. Otherwise, you're, you're sitting there, the rest are throwing flags because they can't see when the hell an offensive line moves, if somebody hits the helmet, whatever. <laughs> But it's like, I, I think with hockey, the, the one thing that I really, truly like about it is the shootouts are super, super fun to watch. I love mm-hmm. watching shootout highlights on like on TikTok or on ESPN, Twitter. I love watching shootout highlights. Like, that's that's so incredible to see somebody being that good. Don't, nobody do it, but seeing somebody that good with a, like, with a hockey stick or just like that object in general being able to maneuver that, carry a flat puck on a flat stick while you're moving and still keep it as like the the pulling the tablecloth trick. You know what I mean? Like being able to keep yeah. it there and flip it there and the, the puck doesn't move in air. But yeah, you're talking about this is regular season. That's yeah. my thing with hockey is you don't get ties. Pro football, you get ties. Yeah. The World Cup... Uh, Class round, it's the name's escaping me. The group, um, the group play, you get draws. Yeah. Ho- uh, soccer in general, you can get draws. Hockey, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. And that, that's what's fun to me. So that's how your points work. Wins are two, losses are none, overtime losses are one. And then you add them all together, and there you go. So that's Solid. NHL. Devils are still rolling. They won two in a row. They're eight, one, and one over their last ten. And uh, them, Pittsburgh, and Boston are like the three hottest teams uh, recently. Obviously, Boston and New Jersey are the two best teams uh, point-wise in the uh, league. Also, I'm looking at the scores tonight. There, we talked about a seven to eight game earlier uh, last week. How about this one? Nine to four. <laughs> Buffalo Wales on Columbus. Damn. Six first period goals by the Sabres, who are below 500, by the way, at 12 and 13. That just proves my point. The, the Blue Jackets are terrible. 
The Sabres went on five power plays and scored on three of them. Holy shit. Blue Jackets 0-2 on the power play. Time of the goal, 321, 532, 728, 750. In the first eight minutes, they scored four times and then two power play goals. They were up. Their biggest uh, lead was 6 nothing and 8-9-2 uh, in their final. Wow. Six first-period goals. Blue Jackets would cut into that 9-2 deficit in the third, uh, 9-4 final. But, yeesh. That is some scoring. Edmonton beat Arizona 8-2. Well, and that's the fun thing about it is, like, hockey – I feel like in hockey, there's more chances of a high-scoring game. Where in soccer, and granted, <laughs> the net's bigger, dude. Well, like, yeah, I guess you can. I was going to say, I don't know that they do have a lot of high, but compared to soccer, yeah, I can see your point that they probably do score more. Edmonton, 8-2 winners, two in the second, three in the third, three in the second period. Coyotes get one in the second, one in the third, 8-2. Power play is only two of five for... Uh, Oilers 0 of 2 for the Coyotes. Edmonton scored five consecutive goals after Arizona cut it to a 3-1 lead. En route, Connor McDavid, did he pick up a hat trick tonight? He did not. He got two goals, though. Got uh, several assists in there. Two assists. So, big night for him. Uh, Nugent Hopkins, two goals for him and an assist in there as well. Let's just say the Oilers and the Sabres lit it up. And with that, that'll do our hockey talk in for this episode. Well, we like to talk hockey. We like to talk hockey. We like to learn. Chat it up a little bit. Don't worry, folks. Nick's hockey knowledge is going to get to a point to where he can keep up with a conversation and not have to <laughs> sit here and learn pig Latin. <laughs> uh, well, the great state of Iowa has their yearly battle. Cyhawks oh, football yeah. game was a <laughs> that was terrible a... <laughs> game, to be quite honest with you. Both teams stunk. And both teams continue to stink. We'll talk about college bowl games coming up, but Iowa women's basketball, Iowa wrestling, Iowa versus Iowa State men's basketball is underway. Wrestling was a doozy with Iowa winning 18-15. Women's basketball was close for two quarters before Iowa blows the doors off Iowa State in the third. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 27-8. Are we talking... Are we talking Iowa blows the doors off, or are we talking Caitlin Clark mm-hmm. decides to just say, "All right, this is enough's been enough. I'm gonna start draining." Caitlin, well, oh, she she can play. The girl is freaking nuts, man. Caitlin Clark is just I a freaking devil on the basketball court. Clark had 19. I, I'm not sure I'm gonna pronounce her name right, but Monica Susano had 18. Kate Martin had 13. So yeah, you know, Caitlin Clark. Has another nice night. Ashley Jones and Emily Ryan for Iowa State at 15 each. This game was close. Iowa State, in fact, led at the break 28-23. And Iowa, Caitlin Clark, your picket, decided to go, yeah, we'd rather win this game. 
one key seven to eight in the third. And then Iowa State and Iowa basically go basket for basket in the fourth, 21-20 Iowa State. But 70-57, Iowa Hawkeye women's basketball finally gets the top 10 win. They knock off Iowa State 70-57. to We talked about it last week. They got roughed up by North Carolina State at home. They played well, all things considered, against UConn. Uh, Kansas State beat them early in the season as an upset win there, but a nice win for the Hawkeye women. Hawkeye men uh, roll in and take on Iowa State tomorrow. This line is surprising to me. Uh, the pick center on ESPN has this as an Iowa five-point favorite. It's in Iowa City. Iowa State, number 27-1. Iowa, 6-2, and two, not ranked. Just lost to Duke by 12. <sighs> That's an interesting line because... To me, Iowa State's kind of the better team. It, yeah. I mean, you know, you look at Murray for Iowa, who's at 19.4 points per game, 10.1 rebounds a game, is a game changer. But look at the team stat. Iowa scores 12 points on average, give or take, more than Iowa State. But Iowa State defensively gives up 10 points less. They're comparable field goal percentage-wise. Iowa out-rebounds them by about four on average. Iowa State's better in steals and blocks. Iowa has about twice as many. Matchup predictor on ESPN has Iowa 67% compared to 33% for Iowa State. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, that game coming up Thursday, or by the time we get this podcast out, probably will be after Thursday, so we'll know the results. But I don't know, man. Five-point Iowa favorite. It'd be a big win for Iowa. I will say that, you know. Iowa lost to TCU by 13 and to Duke by 12. That's the two losses. Uh, pounded Omaha, beat Clemson by three, and then uh, beat Georgia Tech by 16. So and then it'd be if, a big win if they can get it. And then if you look at the other side, Iowa State is 7-1. and one. They got that massive, massive win. Over North Carolina, seventy to sixty-five. They take a trip back and they lose to UConn, seventy-one to fifty-three. But then they beat North or North Dakota. They beat a good Big East team in St. John's, and I mean St. John's has been a little bit on, kind of on on and off for the last few years. But I mean St. John's in the Big East is very very competitive when you look at basketball. Where the hell did my mouse go? There we go. As we go back to the screen. But uh, taking a look at the podcasting rest of, problems one hundred and one. Where did my mouse go? I've been there one hundred percent. But, I mean, if you just looking kind of at Iowa, I mean, the Big 12 this year is stacked. I mean, TCU at the moment is still Big ranked. 10, Big 12 is stacked oh, every year, though. Dude, I, the Big 12 kind of becomes a basketball conference. Big 10 is the fun. same way. To oh, yes. Honest. And, I mean, both conferences are super, super fun to watch because the games are all competitive. I went to the Iowa State-Kansas State game last year when Iowa State took an L kind of late in the season. Um, and, I mean, it was it – was, it was still a close game. I mean, when you get down to the conference play, it's competitive. But Iowa State this year looks like they can score a lot of points. Um, offense is definitely They're going to be a board. contender in the Big 12. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because if you look at the Big 12 standings right now, at the moment, Kansas is 8-1, K-State is 8-1, Iowa State 7-1, uh, TCU 7-1. Texas just got handed their first loss from Illinois, who is ranked today. So Texas, number two, after knocking off Gonzaga, takes a loss today. And, I mean, Texas is a great team that should 
this year I think they finally have kind of a team to do it to kind of keep themselves in the Big 12 instead of kind of keeping themselves in the Big 12 and then falling short late season. Baylor ranked as well. They're 7-2. Oklahoma kind of in the middle half. They're 7-2 as well. West Virginia 7-2. Texas Tech 6-2. And, and then Oklahoma State 6-3. and three. But when you get to the Big 12 play when it comes to men's basketball, I mean, they are uh, – they're kind of a – they're brutal. I mean, they've been such a brutal conference. Say, all those records you're talking about, I don't, I don't think anybody's played any conference game oh. uh, to this point yet. I mean, Iowa State hasn't. They've got uh, one really nice win. They beat Villanova in there, too. They don't start conference play until basically New Year. Oh, yeah. Uh, for Iowa, I think it's about the same thing. I mean, that's the one thing I hate about basketball is they start conference play so late. But it's fun to watch because, I mean, you get... Well, you get all the good non-conference oh, yeah. games in the beginning of the year. And unlike football, I, you do, you bring in some teams, you're going to piss down. <laughs> no, throw, throw it out basketball. there. Throw the shade. <laughs> but unlike football, your non-conference games aren't all garbage. No, huh? I mean, granted, I, I will admit football to some degree has gotten better. But my God, some football... Chattanooga halfway through the season if you're Alabama. What are we doing? Chattanooga, Austin Pay. And you only and this was the best part, and we'll talk about this a hell of a lot later. Austin Pay comes to Tuscaloosa, you pay them millions of dollars, and you only beat them thirty four to nothing this year. And I'm not gonna argue because you beat the Citadel every year, but you play a game in the middle of the year and usually it's Alabama. And it's not the fact that I hate them. Well, and that that has something to do with it. And it's not a bias anything like just the Bama schedule pisses me off. But like JC was saying, you take a look at the, the um, early season tournaments. You take a look at the games on the aircraft carrier. You take a look at all of the early season tournaments, all the early season schedule, the SEC Big Ten Challenge, the SEC Big 12, the, the Big 12 Big Ten, all of those challenges that come in, and you do get really good ranked teams that come in and just want to slaughter each other. I mean, it, college basketball is one of the funnest things to watch early and late. I mean, I love watching it during the big or like during your conference plays. <clears throat> but you get teams like Texas going to play number eight Alabama. You get teams like Arkansas going to play Indiana, Maryland. All of these schools kind of getting together, and the Blue Bloods kind of just lose hope at some point, and it's like, all right. They ain't going to be there. Well, they get back to conference play. They kind of run their conferences. But at the moment, you've got Houston, who, and these rankings are not, I, I will take this with a grain of salt because college basketball does not flip their rankings over. But at the same time, Houston's next game on December 12th, number one versus number eight, Alabama. But you got number one, Houston. Number two at the moment is Texas. Virginia, three. Purdue, four. UConn, five. Kansas is 6, Tennessee 7, Bama is 8, Arkansas 9. Wow, it's looking like college football over here with all the SEC in the top 10. Arizona, finally, Pac-12 team breaks it open. They're at 10, Auburn's 11, Baylor 12, Maryland 13, Indiana 14, Duke at 15. Kentucky rounds it back off with 16. And then going from 17 down to 25, you have Illinois, who just had a big upset win over Texas. Gonzaga, who falls way short at 5-3 and three so far this year without their ranking being updated. UCLA, 19. Iowa State, 20. Creighton falls big after a couple of straight losses. They're down to 20, 21. 
San Diego State, Mississippi State, TCU, and Ohio State go from 22 down to 24. College basketball this year is competitive. Like, What's the fun thing about college basketball in general is, I mean, you know, you get your games that are lopsided, but by and large, and especially when you get into conference play. Oh, yeah. Every night, you never know what's going to happen. There's conference games in football where you go, this team's going to lose by 50. Yeah. And the thing about it is, even if you get one of those clunkers in college play, you get to see that team later on in the season. Uh-huh. 100%. Because you run through the conference uh, slate twice. So, yeah, that's uh, interesting. And speaking of things that are <laughs> being run through and run into the ground. Oh, Lord. College I... Bowl. Oh, gosh. No. And I have one prime example. And you already probably know what I'm going with. Iowa, Kentucky. we got a lot of bowls to talk about. Music City Bowl. Iowa will be on like a fourth-string quarterback. Yep. Kentucky's quarterback today. Kentucky's quarterback today. Their starter goes, yeah, I'm going to set this out and declare for the draft. Ohio State just had a receiver declare for the draft as well. And so here's the one. Iowa versus Kentucky, though. Okay. You're playing a backup versus a fourth stringer, and a bunch of receivers aren't playing. What is the point? What is the point? And so. Like that game specifically, you know, there'll be plenty of bowl games that are really good. You know, and I'm not talking about the, the college semi. There's plenty of. Tennessee Clemson, that's a compelling one. I think Alabama will run Kansas State out of the stadium, but you can make an argument that's a compelling one. Pitt, UCLA, sure. But the, there's like there's, there's several games in there of like Iowa, Kentucky of you're you're just having a bowl to make money. Yeah. And that's it. You're you have the college football setup has just stopped pretending that they're having bold for anything, uh, you know, other than, you know, your top 15 teams, top 25 teams, uh, all these bowls of random six and six teams, just to make sense. And so here, here's a couple of talking points that I would like to discuss because it, it's been kind of on my grill for a little bit. So, one, Ohio State had a receiver – Declare for the draft. And it's one of their top receivers. It's one of their top guys who's um, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, I believe who it was. And you can fact check me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to try to fact check this at the moment as we talk about this. You've had Iowa State, or you've had Iowa's Pineda hit the transfer portal. They just picked up a new quarterback as well. And Looking at it here, you have guys that are saying, all right, well, you're 6-6, six and six, we made a bowl. Yeah, all right, cool, whatever. Bye. You have guys that are sitting there declaring for the draft at the end of bowl season, even on playoff teams and teams that are on New Year's Six Day Bowls, which on the record... None of these fucking games are on New Year's New Year's Day. You got the Sugar Bowl, 
which is a New Year's Six Bowl. That's not on a bowl or on a New Year's Six day. You've got the Fiesta Bowl. That's not on New Year's fucking day. You've got the college football that playoff. That is interesting bowl. because they used to be on New Year's Day. Exactly. You somewhere the thirty first and somewhere the first, but I yeah, I'm seeing what you mean. Uh, I'm the I'm four f- games on the second and the four games on the thirty first. Man, I'm Sugar Bowl, Music City Bowl, Peach Bowl, Fiesta Bowl being on the 31st isn't out of the ordinary necessarily, but Rose Bowl and Cotton Bowl being on the 2nd is a little Exactly. Little I'm somewhat fine with it being on New Year's Eve because it's, it's still a New Year's Bowl. But at the same time, yeah. those bowls have... Well, that's have... the way it's always been, though. Oh. There's been some on the 31st. Yeah, and they've switched it up, but I mean, the New Year's Six Bowls has all, have always been the Sugar Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl... And the Cotton Bowl is that six? Did I count that right? I kind of I wasn't actually count. I like, think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's on a Sunday, so maybe they had a conflict with the NFL. Maybe that's what. Maybe your anger is misdirected there, buddy. I, the first is on a Sunday. To be so honest, they probably have some clause where they can't compete with pro football on a Sunday. I don't care what your fucking clause is. I want my New Year's. I, wow. I want my New Year's. <laughs> oh, dude, I I got so pissed at this when I looked because I mean none of the big and the Alamo Bowl. I I kind of canceled that one out because I know the Alamo Bowl has been important when it comes to bowls. But throw so throw that out the window. Like JC said, you got a bunch of just six and six teams that are vying for a bowl game when it used to just be. All of your New Year's Six and maybe like the the Alamo Bowl, you throw in a couple of the like the Music City Bowl, you throw in some of those smaller bowls there. Granted, I get that you're upset that you're not in the top twenty five. I get the fact that it's been a grueling season. You got six wins, all right. There have been so many damn bowls that have been invented that just sit and ride the line. So taking a look at Friday, December sixteenth, you've got the Bahamas Bowl. You've got the hometown Landers Bahamas Bowl. You got Miami, Ohio, UAB. And granted, UAB was on the, the track to lose their football program a lot like a couple of years ago. So UAB, congrats to you. you guys got your football program back. I'm one hundred percent happy with that. But the it's Bahamas at 10 Bowl. Yeah. You've got ten thirty a.m. and I mean, granted, okay, hold on, I oh want to look at this God. because I, I know that these college football playoff rankings are not right. Oh, actually, they are. Oh shit. Okay, so Troy. So here's here's the worst part about it. So number twenty five, University of Texas San Antonio UTSA, is playing Troy in the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl. Duluth Trading is known for, I won't say it, Buck Naked Underwear. Underwear. I want the Buck Naked Underwear Bowl, honestly, because I think that would be funny to see on television to see how much they can get away with advertising. If you give me that, I'm fine with it. But you're put them, give, give them something else. I mean, Cincinnati got dropped out of the top 25 of the playoff ranking, and they're in the Fenway Bowl. They're playing at Fenway Park, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl versus Louisville on December 17th. Oregon State, who was menacing the Pac-12. They're ranked 14th in the country. Fought their way all the way through Las Vegas Bowl versus Florida. Throwing it back, and there's plenty more games on December 17th. There's a game on Monday the 19th, Marshall versus UConn, in the uh, Myrtle Beach Bowl, which is in Coastal Carolina, or where Coastal Carolina calls home. You've got... And we'll break down these... Con- these uh... No. Bowl games closer to once we you know get to them, but yeah, 
so there's so many that are just so so man we're we're on the standpoint of bowl games have been kind of ruining college football a little bit personally i think that declaring for the nfl draft has ruined nfl a little bit or ruined college football and i think the transfer portal has kind of done the same thing because Michigan's quarterback transfers to Iowa, fine. you got a new quarterback who comes in as a freshman, leads their team to a college football playoff, 100%. Yeah, I understand that you're there's pressure and you've got a chill coming down your neck. But me and Audrey talked about this the other day. There was a tweet that was said about this the other day, and I forget who tweeted it out. But it's ruining your chance for a dynasty setup. And my bis- biggest example... And granted, he did hit the transfer portal, but it was Joe Burrow. <clears throat> so you get a guy like Joe Burrow, you go to Ohio State, and you've got, I believe at the time, it was maybe Dwayne Haskins, somebody before the, or somebody after that. But him and Tate Martell transferred. Joe Burrow understood that at Ohio State, he had to be the best of the best, and he was probably competing, putting up the numbers, but they went with their trustworthy option. Fine. You decide to go somewhere else and play. And instead of choosing Nebraska, a school that would probably, and I will say this, and I've said it time and time again, would have absolutely put him under the fire, would have ruined him. You go to LSU, Coach O gives you a shot. You take your team to, I believe it was the Sugar Bowl, or you take your team to a New Year's Six Bowl, right? Lose or just blow UCF out of the water. Come out the next season, granted, yes, he had Justin Jefferson. He had Randy Moss's kid on the outside edge. He had a whole core of freaking receivers on that LSU team in 2019 that would have absolutely just boat raced anybody. LSU wins a natty. Joe Burrow gets drafted number one. The kid built a dynasty at LSU starting with that season that he transferred there, and that's fine. But you get guys that I think are taking the easy route – or Deion Sanders said it perfectly at Colorado. He was like, if you're, if you're thinking that you just want to hit the transfer portal, go. If you're thinking you're not going to play at this team, go. We're not here for that. We're here to build a championship team. We're here to do this. And I'm 100% fine with that mentality. If you think you are not meant for this team, then go. Go find somewhere else. If you don't work out there, then yeah, it, it might not have been there for your sport, and that's harsh. But it's like, dude... So many kids are hitting the transfer portal and still not going anywhere. Tate Martell went to five different freaking schools and didn't go anywhere. And then you get a guy like Adrian Martinez who transferred over to K-State. He got an offensive line, and now he was playing. He got hurt, and K-State just won a Big 12 title. K-State won a Big 12 title. Adrian Martinez was part of that. They're transferring over. You get guys that are leaving their teams in the middle of the season or at the end of the season with the bowl game on the line. It's like, okay, yeah, this bowl game doesn't matter. Then why do we have them? You get guys that are in the college football playoffs still. Why do we have them? We're trying to get a 12-team a playoff here in 2024. And it's like, dude, why, why well, should you get the, to leave? Well, that's the thing. And I guess I'm biased because I watched NAIA football with Morningside in Sioux City. But block it down to a 16 teams and do what they do. You start at the quarterfinals, you win, you smash it down to four into a semifinal, you win, you put it down to 
a final. Mm-hmm. You, you just... The teams that are good play them. The teams that are 6-6, six and six, to be quite honest, don't really deserve a bowl game. Mm-hmm. That, that's my thing. You know, everybody's whining and complaining about the 12-team playoff, and it seems like, to be quite honest, a dumbass thing to whine about. Put 16 teams, have them, have them play, and then, you know, what the NAIA doesn't do that would be interesting is bracket them. Yeah. Because what the NAIA will do, and I'm sure you're aware of this, is the winners all get reseeded in the quarterfinal and then reseeded in the semifinal and then the title, it doesn't matter, obviously. But go straight bracket, one through eight, and then if, if eight beats one, sure, there you go. But that's what I would like to see is, you know, 12 teams is whatever. But 16 teams, bracket it, and then go. And... To be honest, I mean, the four-team playoff was a great great starter idea for a couple of years. We've had it for way too damn long to the same four teams take over. And yes, like like kind of you said, if you're good, you play. If you're good, you win. I agree with that because Alabama has found a way to win since Nick Saban has taken office. Ohio State, even with Urban Meyer, now Ryan Day, they found a way to get back. Utah. Utah has had the same damn coach for 20 years, and they have been just a powerhouse in the Pac-12. They've had a couple of stumble years, but now Utah within the last five years has been just waiting on New Year's Six Bowl Day. And you take a look at USC, who Lincoln Riley came in, and everybody at the beginning of the year was like, all right, Lincoln Riley might lead this team to a playoff. One win short. They lost to Utah twice. Christian Wilson, he's a Heisman candidate. Or Caleb Wilson, sorry. He's a Heisman candidate. And he definitely has a good vote. I mean, the kid is physical. He was playing on a he was playing on a bum leg, bloody hand, everything. I mean, the kid was given his last line in that championship game for the Pac-12. But I mean, moving it to a 12-team playoff, I think it's definitely needed because you get teams that are like Washington, who Probably should have been in the Pac-12. I understand they had a crucial loss, I believe, to get or against UCLA to kind of set them apart. But, I mean, you get a team like Washington. You get a team like Penn State, whose only two major losses were uh, Ohio State and Michigan. But at the same time, the strength of schedule apparently, quote-unquote, matters, and Alabama was still in an argument for the playoffs. You get a team like Ohio State, who now is sitting at their one loss on the season was to Michigan, who absolutely crushed them. But their strength of schedule was a, a somewhat half-handed Big Ten schedule. You get a team like TCU who is in the playoff because their schedule was just blood for blood. I mean, I think if you want to go to a 16-team playoff, sure. I think if you want to actually do this right, even with non-Power 5 schools, if you're going to go with an FCS and you're going to go with non-Power 5s and Power 5s, you win your conference, you are in the playoff, and you cut the season short to about 12, 11 to 12 weeks, you go with the rest of the season to cut it down, and if you can get it to New Year's Day, or if you can get it just after on January 7th, like it has been, then you just 
you play and you play to win. Non-power fives and power fives. Win your conference well, and you're in. Thing, that's the other thing about the 12-team playoff argument is, okay, the power five champs, and then I think I saw two or three non-power five conference champions and then four wild cards. Mm-hmm. This lets the, you know, uh, Cincinnati did it, UCF did it, uh, Boise State historically has gotten it done. This gives the small teams a chance. Oh, 100%. Which is, I think, the part that makes me the most excited. I love the small not teams. not the extended, extended, like, you know, five Big Ten teams and four Pac-12 teams or whatever. It's five Power Five champs. I don't know. Pick, a, pick whatever conferences. Three non-Power I'm- Five champs. And then so we'll get the 12. Mm-hmm. Four at-large bids or four non-power five um, champs, and then three at-large bids. That's the thing that. And before anybody even starts to whine about it, yeah, you're going to have some first-round games that are going to be an absolute shit mixing because there's just going to be years where the power non-power five team ain't going to match up to them. Oh yeah. But when you get a team like UCF. You get a team like Cincinnati a couple of years ago. That those teams that were stacked, that were had the ability. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they win their first round game. Oh and, yeah, you know, get to the second round. Well, so yeah, that's the thing that makes me excited is to see a non-power five team really hit the big stage. So, and if you want to break it down here, so usually bigger bowls come through and they're like JC said, we'll try to break it down as much as we can as we go through and everything like that. So bigger games for me, start with the Alamo bowl. Number 20, Texas takes on Washington and granted, I don't know why this is so early Thursday, December 29th. Washington has a massive chance to show with a first year coach that they should have probably been in a Pac-12 contention, but they, they can upset a big 12 team who with Texas this year has been a little bit more legit. Then you throw it on to Friday's game, December 30th. You have the Orange Bowl, who don't know why this is not even close to December 31st. Like, on December 31st or the 2nd or the 1st, whatever. I'm pissed. You have the or- you have the orangest Orange Bowl with number 6 Tennessee without Hendon Hooker and DJ Ongolalier, who has entered the transfer portal now, with Clemson, 6-7. and seven. So there, there's a massive game there. You have on New Year's Eve, the Sugar Bowl, Kansas State versus Alabama. I am 100% on the Kansas State hype train. I do think that they have every chance to beat Alabama, and I, by God, hope they do. Really? Because oh, I, I do. Oh, I, I do. Mean, I hope I they do, do. But I think there's no chance in how they beat Alabama. I think, Clems, or I think K-State has been through such a gauntlet of just like back and forth, back and forth. They've had a lot of key major wins. I think Alabama's schedule, you lose to a Texas, or you pretty much lose to a Texas team that you beat by one point. You had, um, you went 2-2 two and two with uh, top 25 opponents this year. I mean, Al, or Top 10 opponents this year. Alabama is not there. I think K-State gives them a run for their money. I got a K-State win. You got TCU, Michigan in the first college football playoff um, in the Fiesta Bowl. Number three TCU plays Michigan. I think that'll be a little bit of a bigger dogfight than everybody expects. I 
I'm going to have to go with Michigan on this one, but I think Max Duggan, as much heart as that kid has, I think TCU holds it close. Ohio State, number four. Georgia, number one. I'm sorry. Georgia's in the number one, arguably. The best team in the country. I think Michigan could give them a run, but I think Georgia pulls it out late. They get up they get up early. They get a turnover late in the second or early in the second half. That's all said and done. I think Ohio State does not hold against Georgia. They couldn't hold against Michigan. The Peach Bowl goes to Georgia. Your championship is Georgia, Michigan, and then I have Georgia winning it all. Now So here's your line. Sorry to interject. No, go for it. Clemson, Tennessee has Clemson a seven point favorite. I, I Alabama, I, we, we don't agree on that game, but Alabama's <laughs> a three-and-a-half-point favorite. That's it. I'm surprised it. the line is that close. That's it. Three-and-a-half points, over-under of 54-and-a-half. Uh, Michigan's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite with TCU, and Georgia, this is another one I'm surprised is he, as close as it is. It's six-and-a-half-point favorite over Ohio State. That's it for that one. I would have guessed Alabama, Kansas State, and Georgia, or Ohio State would have been bigger lines than they are, but there you go. Nonetheless, and then throw it back to January 2nd. Ugh. <laughs> Tulane wins the American, and JC was talking about it. You got UCF, Cincinnati, Tulane. These three teams have been fist fighting in the rankings for the last four years and just pounding it out trying to trying to get their name in Cincinnati did it UCF tried to do it with LSU and finally took the took the blow that knocked him back a little bit and said all right get back on your perch but the American Conference has still been rising Cincinnati going to the Big 12 UCF going to the Big 12 Tulane they ended up beating UCF they're 16 in the country they play a USC team who is very dangerous but Tulane could get the job done they play in the Cotton Bowl, another New Year's Six Bowl, the Citrus Bowl. And, oh, sorry, and go for it. you look at that line, that might be the biggest stunner of them all. <laughs> Is Tulane? in the Cotton Bowl against Tulane. <laughs> now, this is on ESPN, so one-and-a-half-point favorite USC. Ooh, wow, they're going to give Tulane's Over offense a chance. 62, a hot one-and-a-half-point line. That's nuts. It, Utah and Penn State, by the way, is a three-point Utah favorite. And I was going to get there. I think Utah Utah is running, man. I like USC this Utah team. Is only a point and a half favorite against Tulane. And like I said. That tells you how bad people think USC. I'm not going to take anything away from Tulane. I think they're a good, they're a good team. They're top 16 team. But USC against a team out of the Americans, a point and a half favorite. Come on. Well, and I think the biggest thing is Utah in two two games this season, Utah has exposed a lot. Utah exposed the fact that they can throw deep against USC. They exposed the fact that an RPO is all right. They definitely exposed the fact that if you can drive Caleb Williams to the point of mistakes with Caleb Williams this year with his Heisman record has not had a lot of mistakes. I mean, if you take a look at it, Caleb Williams up to the point of the other day against Cam Rising in Utah had three interceptions on the season, 30 plus touchdowns to four or to three interceptions on a season before Utah. Utah gets a pick late. It ends up setting up a score a couple of turnovers against USC sets up a big bunch of points for Utah. 
I mean, and Utah's a great – Utah's a team that takes away. Like, Penn State better watch out because Utah can take away the ball and be just fine. I think the biggest thing that USC needs to realize is Lincoln Riley, yes, was a huge answer for this program. It was a huge spot to get back to where Pete Carroll had them built and where even before Pete Carroll had them built, they just need one solid team. And I think defensively, they might struggle just a little bit more than the offensive side. So I think if USC really wants to take a look at how they can hold down this Tulane offense, who can score? I mean, Tulane this year, like taking a look at look at their schedule here. You got forty two to nothing over UMass, fine, fifty two nothing over Alcorn State. But then throw it to South Florida, who was in contention. You had 45 to 31. You got 38 points. And then you drop it to USC or UCF, who they lost to, which was their only loss of the year. 38 to 31. You throw it to SMU, who's always been consistent. 59 to 24. Cincinnati, they can hold 45 to 28 over UFC once or UCF once again. I mean, dude, Tulane can be a team that shocks. So, I mean, if you want to take a look at a couple of good bowl games, definitely the New Year's Day. But at the same time, I think College Football Playoff Committee definitely needs to really take a look next, within the next two years, within 2024, when that 12-team playoff comes to it. You have to look at how you truly now develop your 12-team ranking. Because non-Power 5s are trying to come up strong. You've got Power 5 teams who are, are great and struggling. So. Well, I think the thing for me is I hope they don't go with the top 12, mm-hmm. which will make people mad because people are idiots. But <laughs> I, like I said, I hope you have a designated, your five power five conference champs. And then you go your four non power five conference champs. And then maybe your final three or yeah, yeah, final three teams is banked based off of rankings of okay, who's the next three highest seeds? I after you take out your conference champs, I'd say that's very valuable. You got your three bubble teams, conference champs, and I mean, it's it's a lot easier said than done. Mm-hmm. When you take a look at it, because I mean, <laughs> you can get guys like us and there are plenty of guys like us who sit here all day and judge it. But at the end of the day, too, I, I'm literally looking at this this formula and I'm thinking, where where's the fool? Where's the faultiness? You've had the same four freaking teams run it. You've had Clemson run it. You've had Bama run it. Ohio State's been in there. Shit, Notre Dame has been in there four fucking times, and they haven't been able to do jack shit when they're in there. Cincinnati did more and in a year. And they don't have a conference title. Exactly, because they don't even play for a damn conference. But Cincinnati so, did more in one freaking year, holding Alabama to only 24 damn points when they had a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, which they still do. But they had a true Heisman winning quarterback. They had a true offense that was able to just run with anybody in the country. Cincinnati with Desmond Ritter just decided, hey, we're going to try to ruffle some feathers and just completely said, oh, shit, non-Power Fives can actually do this. And UCF was the the tester. And UCF did it with Auburn and LSU. I mean, shit. I don't even, I'm, I, I get heated with college football. Yeah, and I think that's, 
I think there's a, it'll have its kinks that need worked out, but oh yeah, I I don't know. It's definitely interesting to watch. Uh, so we'll have that. We'll talk more bowl games and all that good jazz coming up uh, down the line. But unless you get anything for college football, I got the uh, the next thing. I didn't tell you we're going to talk about it, but I am. Oh boy, pumped. Well, go for it. Get Very after it. Very enthusiastic. So Hard Rock Casino and Hotel in Sioux City. Okay. Has shows come to town. Okay. And so, you know, Spasmatics, December 31st. If you haven't heard of them, neither have I. Uh, <laughs> neither had I. They're an 80, 80s cover band thing. But March 11th. Coming to Sioux City, Iowa, Power Man 5000. I'm Jack. The tickets are bought. I am I am here for it. They go. Tell you what. Dropping the bombshell action. They got hit after hit after hit. And then later in the year, May 13th, Foreigner comes to town in Sioux oh, City. I do like me a little bit of Foreigner. I was going to say, so if there, we're, there you go. If we're talking music, if you're a big country fan, Eric Church is coming to the Iowa State Fair. Tickets come on sale this Friday. Well, whenever the podcast comes out, it would be Friday, December uh, 10th as it comes out. But tickets go on sale at right now. They're 60 bucks a piece. I'm a big fan of Eric Church, but, I mean, shit, Foreigner. I'm a big – I like Foreigner. Foreigner's good. That'd well, be, there you go. They're in uh, Sioux City on May the 13th. Which, as I recall, is a Saturday. I know Power Man 5,000, 1,000% is because, like ha. I said, well, tickets are... You can't only be 1,000% on them, man. They're Power Man 5,000, so you've got to be 5,000%. They're a Saturday. For those wondering, May 13th is a Saturday as well. Iowa State Fair, so what do we got for some grandstand oh, boy. announcements here? Eric Church with special guest Dean, or Jackson Dean. Ooh, that might be that is that's the only only thing that's been announced. Wow, that's is that the only concert that's active? <laughs> I'm on their website now, and that's the only thing that's showing up. Oh shit, Eric Church. Well, right, well, I thought that was going to be way more interesting than it <laughs> being. So that's a letdown, uh, but, but uh, yeah, not a letdown. I but I mean, Power Man Five Thousand. Let's go. Saw them over uh, this last fall when they were with Mudvayne and uh, Rob Zombie. Ooh, that would have been, been a really and good show. Spider, Rob Zombie and Spider One off of Power Man 5000 and Brothers, for those that didn't oh, know. Shit. All right. So, there you go. So, just thought I'd pour in some music. I will say we're going to try to get RC. I, I feel like I'm doing the same thing that you did when you were talking about getting me back on the show for two, no, two and a half, three months. Well, because if you start hounding him, then I'm going to hound him. Because I, I left RC alone a little bit because I was like, okay, with, with with you, since you started the One show, I was like, all right, at a time. yeah, let's, let's, get the, let's get the host back on here so we can kind of roll it. We can get RC back on when we get both of us on. And, I mean, we don't got to fully hound the kid, but, I mean, yeah, we're going to hound the shit out of him. But, yeah, I mean, I want to, I'd like him on it before the end of the oh, year. Oh, yeah, 100%. He can talk some music. Um, you know, he can talk music, uh, Spotify rap. And if he doesn't at some point, we will, we got to break down the raps. And I got to compare last year's 
power rankings in the uh, playlist to this year's. I haven't had time to do it. It's, I've been so freaking busy the last month. It's been insane. Oh, so damn. that's something that's coming down the line. It's uh, We're getting more active on Twitter and uh, good old TikTok. And by active, I mean finally reactive. <laughs> we were active for a long time. Then, then, then things happened, and now we're, we're getting back to it. But, so keep an eye for that. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have two podcasts essentially coming out back-to-back because I mean I assume this one will be out by Saturday because we're recording it Wednesday night into Thursday. So, And i got to get the one from last week going. So we're getting this thing fired back up just in time for the Best of 2022 podcast. That'll be oh, that'll be a shit show. Cause and you know we the have... best part about this year is <laughs> – you're going to have to take a lot of, you're going to have like five or six episodes where you're going to have to pull the best of out of there because you're the one who recorded them. I'm going I'm to be sitting there and I'm going to be like, all right, all right. Actually, I think I can do it because if I pull out, if I pull, I'll figure it out because I'll pull out a full file of an audio of just everything mashed up from what we have had. So, cause I'll, I'll end up putting it in an MP4 format and then I'll throw it in. But besides the pig Latin there, yeah, we do. But yeah, we, so we've got some exciting stuff basically coming up on the podcast. And next week, I've talked about it. I don't even remember who's on the show or if this was before the show, but your boy's going to Newark to yes, see uh, the Devils play the Dallas Stars. And we're thinking about the fact that we're probably going to be recording a podcast next week uh, while I'm in New Jersey. So we'll be able to say that was a thing. I'm going to try to do some social media. I'll be square with everybody here. I'm awful at it. I think the fact that, you know, sharing stuff about like what I'm doing falls under the category of who gives a shit, but we're trying to be an interactive podcast. So we're doing it. I guess, the best we, we can. I, I guess we're doing it. And I know when, when Nick does stuff, he's going to share about it. So I guess that means I have to, but there we go. That's what's uh, coming down the line on the podcast. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. So we'll have all of these links posted on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Well, we'll send you to the Spotify on the on the TikTok page if we don't get the link posted in the bio. But also, we'll post it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We'll get you guys there. If you guys have any comments or any, whether it be drink related whether it be music related sports related subjects you want us to talk about and i know that a lot of people we're two hours into this podcast right now if you've made it this far congratulations we we truly thank you and if you made it this far congratulations but if you guys have anything you want us to talk about please let us know and please get us fired up because we'll we'll sit here and we'll debate it all day we'll talk about it agree everything like that bring our full knowledge in so without further ado if JC doesn't have anything else to add, which I don't, which he does not, this has been episode number 46 of the Covert Show, and we are excited to bring you guys the best of 2022 coming soon, and we will see you all later.